Man, this morning, part six, we're walking through Ephesians together. You can catch up on podcast, and some of the videos are there also. Uh, if you have the scriptures today, turn over to Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll start there about verse 14 through about 21 or so. It's a great, powerful section of scripture about Paul's great prayer for the people here at Ephesus. And the, the particular part that I get so excited about, we'll, we'll, you'll see when I get there in a few moments. But I want to start it this way this morning. Martin Luther, if I say that name, do you know who he was? He was the great father of the Protestant Reformation. God used him in marvelous, marvelous ways. And I read this story that he had this really good friend, and his name was Frederick Macanus. And in 1540, just a few years ago, he became sick and he was expected to die shortly. And on his deathbed, he wrote a tender farewell message to Luther. And when Luther read this message from his dear friend, he immediately sent a reply. Now, not an email, okay, not a text. We didn't have that then. Here's what he said. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of the reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying. This is my will, and may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. While those words might seem bold and brash, the fact is that the Macanus, who had already lost the ability to speak when Luther's reply came, soon recovered, for his Ill, recovered from his illness, and he lived six more years. He finally died two months after Luther did. How many of you would like to have a friend that could pray like that? I mean, that's incredible. Made this great recovery. And I share that story this morning just to think that we have an opportunity to have great spiritual intimacy and death to ourselves. But intimacy and great spiritual depth, how deep is the love of Christ in us, and that we should, as the children of God, pray with prolific power. How many of you believe that we have power as children of the light? We do. Now, a lot of times we don't pray like we got any power. We pray like we're disconnected. But in this section, the Bible records prayer after prayer in various books of Scripture. And these prayers are profound. One that the day we look at is incredible. Some of you might be like the one, Now lay me down to sleep. If he hollers, let me go. Oh, wait a minute, I confused my stories. I mean, that's about what I think about that prayer. Some of these prayers that we learned when we were little, maybe they were cute when we were little, I like this in our home. Our grandchildren, their mom and dad are doing a great job. I'm proud of Rachel and Jeremy, the way they're raising our grandchildren. And I love it when they'll pray from the heart. Just a little simple prayer to the Father that is pure that will melt Pop's heart. But I know it softens and is tender to the heart of God. Do you think God wants you to pray simple but powerful prayers? He does. Look at verse 14 here with me. Just... Look there in chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I kneel before the Father. I'd fill in the first blank. Prayer is the window to the soul. It's the window to us. And we pray that conversation and that listening. Remember when Eric said something a minute ago? I have a hard time listening. I'm in Eric's camp. That's why I like Eric so much. Some of you listen extremely well. But if you're going to have a a, a dynamic union with Christ, you're going to have to learn how to listen more than you talk, but you need to do both. And when I look at this window to the soul, I think about 
that we pray for what we care for. Write that down. We pray for what we care for. And what we don't care for, we don't pray for. All the time. Pastor, pastor, could you pray? Well, of course, it's one of my roles as a shepherd. But it's your role as a fellow believer in Jesus Christ that we pray. I count it a high honor to pray for you. And I'm thankful for the prayers that you pray for me and how we pray for one another. But these prayers that Paul would talk about, he says here, I kneel before the Father. There's some things that hold us back from prayer. And I just want to throw out a couple. They're not in your notes, but here they are. They're free. One thing that holds you and I back from prayer is we experience fear. We just have fear that causes us to be paralyzed and we don't pray fervently or we don't pray often enough because we're just afraid of something. Secondly, we worry. I hear this all the time. I don't pray a lot, Pastor, because I'm afraid that I don't have the right words, the right vocabulary to talk to God. I will assure you, God said in His Scripture, Jesus said one day, let the children come unto me for such is the kingdom of God. Jesus loves to hear the prayers of the simple, broken, contrite people. So you don't have to worry about your vocabulary, man. Just talk to Him. Third, we don't pray, and this is one, I think, a big one. We don't pray because we don't have enough faith. We don't have faith that God will do that which we ask Him. We don't have faith that God can take care of the situation. And I don't know the circumstance you find yourself in this morning. We all have got different ones. Some are really good. Some are really kind of difficult and hard. But God wants us to just surrender those to Him. Here in this verse, look what it says. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. He bows before God. So I get asked this question. What is the right posture in prayer? And there's not a command that says, Thou must bow constantly and be on thy knees, or the prayer if not get heareth. It doesn't say that. That's one of the positions that we find ourselves. What I find is when I bow, it's a simple uh, declaration that I'm dependent on you. I wrote a whole book. I meant to bring it out here. It's called Neology, and it was all based on this premise that I kneel before the God of heaven, and I'm dependent. I need him. So what's the proper uh, position? Well, sometimes you kneel. Sometimes you sit. Sometimes you jump. Sometimes you walk. That's, kneeling is a great one that I like. I have pillows in my study at the office and here at the church. But one of my favorite positions now happens to be I love to walk and pray. I remember as a little kid, I was a... Uh, about 10 years old, my mom had just been killed a year before. And I had an aunt that lived at Cape Canaveral. That is really cool, when the Apollo mission, and I got to go down and spend a month with her one summer. And I remember, I won't tell you what denomination, maybe you could guess, but that Sunday morning, she goes, we're going to go to church. And we weren't a church family. I said, okay. And she said, now you got to dress up and all this. And we went in, and I still, right now, as I look at you, I can vividly see that little church. And I remember walking in, Pastor Keith. Now, he ain't Pastor Keith. He's burhead, okay? And I walk in, and I sit down in the pew, and right in front of me, I thought, what a nice church. There was cushion, and I put my feet up on it. I thought, what are you laughing about? I thought I was going to be comfortable. And the next thing I know, the priest or whatever, he says, stand. And we stood, and then we sat. And then they did the strangest thing. I'd never seen this because I'd only been to a Baptist church. We got on our knees on those little kneelers. And that's when my aunt says, that's why you don't put your feet on the kneeler. And I, yes, ma'am. 
Now you're saying, you can't make up stuff like that. I can't. It happened. So different traditions do different things. You can lay down on the floor and pray. Jesus, sometimes he sat. He prayed. The whole goal is I want you to get your heart dependent on him. That God, I want to come near to you. Listen to Acts. Just write these verses down if you want them. 760. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with his sin. And with that he died. Acts 940. But Peter asked them all to leave the room and then he knelt and he prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. She opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. I, I love that verse of scripture. It's a miracle prayer. Acts 20, 36. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with them. So there's definitely a case that a posture of kneeling is always a good posture. But it's not the supreme posture and it's not the only posture. It's the posture of the, write that down. The most important posture is the heart. That's my posture and yours that God wants. Is your heart bowed before him? You could physically be bowing and be a million miles from God and have unconfessed sin and brokenness and sin and murk and stuff you're running in and you're so disconnected in your fellowship if you even know Christ but the posture of the heart I think it's important now this walk thing that I told you about a minute ago I, I enjoy walking every day and that's a great place for me to walk and pray and talk and if you ride by me you, you see me moving my lips often and, I, and, and sometimes people go, that's that neighbor, he's crazy. The other people I know, that's that preacher, he's just praying. But, you know, everybody kind of welcomes that, and they, they want you to pray. Look at Ephesians 3.15. Look there with me. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray, I love verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in his inner being. Now, as you look at this verse here, I want you to see something very, very important. When we talk about, fill in the first blank, strength in the inner man, strength in the inner woman, strength in our being, in our, in our hearts, that's what God gives. I would call it this word. Strength in the inner person is spiritual stability. I love stability. I mean, if, 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 if you don't like stability, there's something weird there. But, you know, have, have you ever been in an unstable uh, car? You ever been in an unstable situation where you felt like, man, I, I'm not going to make it in here? You, you ever been in an unstable boat before? And that boat's rocking. I, I got a good friend, he, he loves to fish, and he's got one of these big bass boats, and it's got one of these big, big outboard motors. And when you ride in it, it just kind of flies through the lake. And there's about that much, much of the foot of the boat that's in the water. And I'm going, whee! You know, and I'm thinking, we're going to die, you know? But I love Jesus, so it's okay. Matter of fact, you know, they just had a great uh, bass fishing tournament on Lake Martin this week. And my friend, he was one of the marshals. He's kind of, and I was thinking about, like, that crazy boy. So anytime I, I see these big bass boats, I think about, man, they're not in the water. Stability, they know none of. Spiritually, though, God wants you and me to have stability as we walk in this journey called life. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. Oh, look at it. Is, is this going to come up 3, 16 and 17? that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, there it is, with the might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Now I'm going to try to unpack that. I, I love this section here. You, you see a focus that I wanted you to see. Dwell in your hearts. Verse 17, fill it in. Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith. That's what it means to follow Jesus. 
is that you have a personal relationship. You've invited him to come and live and dwell and mark and lead and guide your life. And then you get rooted in him according to those riches that he lavishes the love of God on your life as he has mine, as he has yours, I pray. And when he says here in the heart, it refers to the deepest core, the center of our personality, the, the center of our being, the, the real you. And when God strengthens our heart, listen, when God sustains and strengthens your heart and mine, it always brings about spiritual stability. I meet people all the time, they're off. <laughs> and some are mentally, but that's another story. But they're off spiritually because of practices they've chosen to participate in sinful behavior but when they get that right with god and they confess their sin and they desire to have a clean heart and walk after god stability comes to their life let me tell you what else it does stability comes to their home at christ community we're blessed we got a lot of really strong young families that are building homes for christ and there are places that jesus christ is welcome and they're raising kids up in that kind of admonition and environment. And the church is important, but the church is always going to be a supplement to that which happens at home. And the church said, now it might be, well, there's nobody a Christian in my home. Well, then it, it needs to just happen. But if you are blessed to live in a Christian home, thank, thank God for that. So here, feeding this uh, feeding our soul there in verse 16, that Christ may dwell in us, being rooted, being established. I wrote this down. You feed your soul, starve the old nature, and feed the new nature. Starve the nature of the desires and the wickedness and the flesh. But feed the new man, the new person. Feed the heart, feed the soul with the word of Christ. I read this story I thought was interesting. I don't know anything about them. I think they're in Alaska. The bull moose. Anybody know about any, the bull moose? Well, I'm going to tell you. I know you wanted to know. In the fall is their mating season, and, and there's like macho moose, I guess. I think I made that. I don't know if there's a macho moose or not. But you might ask the question, who wins in this mating season among all the macho moose? And here's what I learned. The strength of the moose and the antlers is all developed during the summer season. See, who wins the fight in the fall is who feeds best in the summer. And the bull moose, the macho moose that feeds really well, he's the one that's crowned champion, okay? Same parallel spiritually. If you feed your soul daily, you win spiritually. Isn't that good news, church? How many of you want to win spiritually? Don't you want to win and be victorious in Christ and, mere, and, and not just being defeated, but you want to be an overcomer? The scripture says, I'm an overcomer. Over, overcomer. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So God, help us to do that. All right, look at, look at verse 17. Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. By faith, he dwells there. In the Greek word, the word dwell, katakeo. It, may, it basically means, kata means down, and, and the other, the keo means house or home. So it means that Christ comes to dwell down in your home. Your heart is a home, a dwelling place for God. Now, I, I was thinking about this week as I was preparing. I thought about, is Christ settled in my home? Does Christ feel comfortable in your home, in my home? That's the thing that we need to work out daily. Um, let, let's set it up this way. Let's say that uh, I came over to your home, 
And uh, man, you got a nice home, and I enjoy it, and I walk in. But I just, I don't know where the kitchen is. I, I don't know where the bathroom is, and I need to go, so you got to tell me. Uh, I don't know where different things are. And then there's this important device. I don't know where the remote is. Uh, come on, man, help me out. Don't leave me out here hanging. I'm feeling you know, I promoted my wife with a remote a few weeks ago. Is that a true story, Donna? 38. She's not bitter. 30, 38 years, I've kept the remote. Man, hear me roar. And I got it down, I DVR, and I'll fly through it. But we rearranged our house several weeks ago, a couple months ago, where we get a sweet thing, a chair in there. And in the process, my chair, I think it was intentional, but she says, no, my chair's over here, and I can't get the remote to work. I have to get up every time I got to change the remote. Oh, poor baby. I grew up in the 60s. I was my daddy's remote, okay? Had three channels. Boy, change the channel, okay? Am I not telling the truth? So, so the other, the other night, man, I got brownie points. I reached over and said, Donna, I would like to give you the remote. She looked at me. She said, what? The remote? And then, and then I said, well, it's, it's not a pure heart. I can't do it from my chair. But our marriage is doing much better now. If I'd have just known that, man, I'd given this remote a long time ago. Oh, wait a minute. Ephesians, that's a little bit later, the marriage thing. Let's keep going here. I won't get in trouble. You had fun with that, though, didn't you? At my expense. Thank you, thank you, men hypocrites. I tell you what, Christ community, men hypocrites. I can't believe that. Hey, men, just go ahead and tell me, how many of you men control the remote at your house? Raise your hand high. That was pitiful. You know what I looked out and saw? I saw a bunch of hands right here. That's horrible. All right, let's keep going. You don't like that one. I'll give you this illustration, this story. This is the book that I love. I read it several times over the year. Robert Boyd Munger wrote a book, My Heart, Christ Home. Write it down, My Heart, Christ Home. You can get this little book, go online. You can probably download and read it. And it's a, it's a great story. It's about, it compares the believer's heart with the many rooms. And the heart has a living room, a dining room, a bedroom, a kitchen, a computer room, a TV room, a library. It has all these different rooms. But here's what happens. For so many believers, they leave Christ at the entryway. And they never invite Jesus all the way through the house. And by inviting him into all the rooms of the house, that's where Christ is Lord. I was just looking here, I thought about Anna Kate. She's very good at real estate, and I thought about all the houses she goes in. Could you imagine, Anna Kate, that you could sell any real estate if you just went? We're just going to stand here in the foyer and admire the house, write a contract. It doesn't happen, does it? They, they don't want to go through it. Can we look in the attic, too? Can we look at the storage room? Can we look at everything? Well, here's the thing. Christ wants to come and invade our homes, our katakeo, our dwelling place. He wants to be comfortable in our hearts. And this is what this passage says, that he, he comes, he roots us, he establishes us. He dwells in our heart by faith. And then I just ask a couple questions. Lord, you're watching me. Are you at home in my heart? Just write the question there today. Is Christ at home in my heart today or every day? Do I make him feel welcome? Or just like, no, Jesus, not today. You, you wouldn't like what I'm watching right now. You wouldn't like what I'm doing in that particular room, Jesus. No, Lord, we, we want you to come. And, and Lord, we want to have that depth. Uh, look, look at this thing right here. He talks about dwelling in our hearts. And then he goes, being rooted and established in love. 
I love that. that that's a prayer that we ought to pray. God, establish us, establish us in the deep love of Christ. That Therefore, because that's our position and that's who we are, then we can love more deeply. We, we can love deeply from the heart. We, we can forgive. We can care for people. Like, like this, your, your kid got hurt this week or this afternoon or next month, and you don't go, buck it up, Johnny. Suck it up. You're a horrible parent. What do you do? You take that kid and you caress them and you pull them deep and you hold them. And in the process, what happens? Little tears dry up. I'll be okay, Mom. Dad, I'm okay. Can I go back and play now? They, they just want to. Hey, have you ever seen a kid sometimes when they fall? And, and I've watched this so many times. And they look around, see if everybody's looking. And if somebody's looking, they put on a show. <laughs> I go, yeah, whatever. But just a little comfort. In this thing, Christ wants to fill us with great love, that we love one another. We get rooted, we get established, we get grounded. There's no shallow love for Christians, or there should be. As a Christian, we should have sacrificial, all-out, committed love that we love our enemies, even the Bible says. And we pray for those that persecute us and come against us, much less the family of God that we care for deeply. Let's keep going here. So rooted, established in love, in verse 18, we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. I, I love this particular section here. So let's jump in here. Verse 18, prayer for knowledge. That's what God wants to give us. Lord, I want to comprehend. I want you to bring understanding in my love for you, my devotion to you, God. I want it to be greater. God pours out his love at the cross of Calvary. He pours out his love this morning. By his grace, there's a beautiful invitation for you to draw near. Maybe you're in this service today and you've grown a little cold. I think Jesus says, come over and sit with me. Let me dwell there in your house. Let me dwell in your living room with you. Let, let me go to the bedroom. Let me, let me go to the rec room. Let me, let me go to the storage room with you. I just want to take a walk with you. I just want to be at home in your heart and your life. I, I want to give you leadership in your life because you're, you're messing up. Boy, do I mess up. Boy, do I need leadership. Do you need leadership, church? Amen. Thank you for being honest. So how love and how wide, and then verse 19, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, says the NIV. To know the impossible, the inexhaustible love of God. That's, that's what God wants you and me to know. I wrote down in my notes, I want you to write down Romans 8, 38 and 39. I love, it's called the big eight. Romans 8, greatest, greatest chapter in probably all of Scripture in my opinion, in my humble opinion pretty hard to fight with Romans 8 but just listen to these words you've heard them but once again I want to remind you as I remind me for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers nor height nor depth not anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord are you grateful this morning that nothing can separate you from that agape love of the Father nothing you're saying, but I'm so bad. I don't care, not even that. I've done so much wickedness. God still loves you. Now, you might be doing a lot of damage to your witness if you're a believer, and you might, be, you might get checked out a little bit earlier than you were planning on. Not that you can control that because he ordains our days. 
But God wants us to be a mighty witness for him, to know this love, this fullness of God. But I want you to see this. It, it, I read it. It says, surpasses knowledge. So God wants to give you and me knowledge. Uh, but then I love this section, that you may be filled. If you have your Bible, circle the words, being filled. In the Greek, I remember learning this years ago, the word is pleru. It means to be filled up, to be overflowing. And God wants to fill you and me with the love of Christ and with the blessed Holy Spirit and with the power of God. And, and it says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to measure in large capacity, God. Lord, I want more of you. God, I need more of you. My family needs to see more of you and me. My workplace, they definitely need it. My school, my life, my neighborhood, my connections, my relationships. Oh, God, I want to be full. Tomorrow, I want to leak. Uh, I'll just say this. There's, there's a situation that I've been going through. I don't want to get too personal. But uh, these, there's these people, they call themselves Christians, and they go to another church. We'll just say that, okay? And they're very rude the way they drive. Very rude. Just got out of church. It won't let you in. Just shut you off in Jesus' name. Stop in the name of the law. Like, what is that about? And I want to get out my preaching self and say, Thus saith the Lord, leave an entrance that I might get in my neighborhood and goeth now. I'm like, man, and I've always told you, be nice when you leave here. Be a Christian. You know, I remember when we were a lot larger church and there were so many cars in the parking lot. People were like, oh my goodness, there's an Indy 500 leaving church today. I'm like, look, I always got you out early. We always beat the Baptists, okay? It's a cool thing. We've always been first to the restaurants if you chose to go to a restaurant. The only complaint I've ever had here is, I want an 8.15 service so we can get it over and get on with the day. Well, boy, that, that's just honoring Jesus. I'm feeling that right now in my bones. We're not big enough to have an 8.15 service. But we do have a 10.15 service. Okay. Really, it's 10 o'clock. Just thought I'd throw that jab out there. It made sense to me. I'm right, Anna Susan. Okay, I thought you said I'm right. Well, anyway. Wow. How does he get this crazy stuff? Right. Be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Oh, God, fill us. Lord, let us leap for you. Lord, here, here, here's a thought. Lord, fill us with so much love that you dominate. I'd write that on the side. That's a great prayer. Lord Jesus, dominate me today. Every day. Lord Jesus, define me by your grace and mercy and love. Dominate my life with your presence and your power. Domination is a good thing when it comes to Jesus. Because when Jesus dominates your life, you're just nicer. You're just holy. You're like God. You forgive quicker. You love more. You do more. It's just, just a thought here, dominated by the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. I read it on this stage just a couple weeks ago. It was Jan's life celebration. And that verse says, I will be satisfied when I open my eyes in your likeness. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to see for you that you're satisfied when you come into the kingdom of God eventually. But on this life, be satisfied and dominated by the fullness and the love of Christ. But I want you to go to this last section. Here it is, the very bottom, verse 20. God is able, he enlarges me. I could preach for an hour, but I'm not, so don't worry. I, it wasn't funny. I love this section. 
three semicolon two oh three dot two oh three twenty memorize this verse underline highlight tattoo this verse to your heart enmesh it experience it walk in the fullness god is able what was the first song we sang this morning god is able you know why i wanted that song so bad now don't you doug this is the theme of being a christ follower god is able not man i'm asking god to do some things right now in my life in this church's life because he's able i'm not he has the ability in your marriage your finances your home whatever it is god can stretch god can do god wants to move we invite him in god come lord i have inability i'm inadequate but lord you are sufficient he is a sufficient christ he's able to do because i'm even when i'm idle he can still do it he can do all we ask what we ask for he hears us when we pray he can do what we think for he knows what we think before we think it what a god he can do all we ask or think above because he already knows all and can do all he can do more than we ask or think because his plans are bigger than our plans he can do much more than we ask or think because there's no holding back with god but i love this look at this this verse 20 just i'm gonna read it to you 320 through 21 no no here's a great place stand up with me real quick stand up let's read it together man this is powerful i want this to get in you some of you are looking a little sleepy you know you wake up all right let's read it together ready now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by christ jesus to all generations forever and ever and ever amen i added an ever okay you can see that isn't that a great verse man that's a verse full of hope and this is that immeasurably more that god wants to do i i laid out a little greek there for you just to see the above and beyond and out of and you know i thought maybe you might like that but god here's what i'd say god's ability is off the chart his surpassing knowledge and power and wisdom and exceedingly abundantly you you, you see those two ly's i mean it's like a, there was a new greek word there when he, when he says this he was trying to say it's unfathomable it's overwhelming what god can do i i read this story years ago and i ran back across it and i said this says what i really want to say today on this section a guy that i used to listen to a lot on the radio and read i, I liked him he was a great kind of parable modern day parable he could illustrate like none other that I've ever seen. His name is Ron Hutchcraft. Maybe you've heard of him. When I was in student ministry, I really appreciated it. But he was at a Billy Graham crusade many years ago in the Meadowlands, and they were hoping for some pretty big crowds. And like 18,000 people arena was some of the huge uh, crusades that Dr. Graham had, but it was pretty big. And so they were praying that they would fill the arena and that people would come to Christ. And yet, uh, the story that Ron tells that he grew strangely restless and he just sensed that it needed more prayer petition, that they needed to really do some work in, in, in the spirit realm. So he asked some people to go and pray with him because there was going to be these 18,000 here, and then there was going to be this jumbo trine overflow uh, area out in the parking lot, and they just thought, man, we, we need to pray. So they went and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. But listen to this. Unprecedented crowds came. Responses were off the chart. But here's the prayer that Ron prayed. And when I read this, I said, i got to share this Sunday morning. This is good. Lord, if there's anyone other than you that's holding a lid on this thing, 
if there's even more you want to do, would you just blow the lid off? I like that, blow the lid off. And I thought about what kind of prayers are we praying? Are we praying these little wimpy prayers? You know, they ain't really doing much. Or God, we want, if you're not holding the lid, God, would you blow the lid off this situation? God, would you do something that's so marvelous and so glorifying to your name that, Lord, we'll just have to honor you? Like, so this morning I'm thinking, is there something in your family that you need God to raise the lid, to just blow the lid off your family, off your ministry, off that unreached person that you have been witnessing to, and you want to see them come to faith in Christ. This mission that you're on seems impossible, but today, by this verse, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, God, I want you to do marvelous things in the spirit realm. And I'm going to give you one right now that I need you to pray with me in a big way. I want everybody to look that way. Behind that wall, there is eight acres of property I need to see God move on this church and deliver that property and blow the lid off in Jesus' name. Do you feel my passion? Do you have that kind of Are you praying about that as a church? Are you praying about that with your family? If you're not, start today, church. We really need to see it delivered. We need to see somebody else be our good neighbor. It would greatly help this work. And so as I was preparing for this, God just says, I've got to blow the lid off prayer for you, Keith. It's to sell the property that I get lots of glory and that I infuse the church with new power and finances that your ministry can get greater down there. Amen? Isn't that a great prayer, church? You're saying, man, okay, I'll put that one down. Now, you fill in the next one. What's your prayer for your life, for your family, that you need God to move and blow the lid off? I don't know what it is, but above that he enlarges me, that we dream bigger, we pray with boldness, we take risks, we walk out. But you know what happens? We've been conditioned to mediocrity. See if you can finish these sentences. You can't have your cake. Okay? If it looks too good to be... If it can go wrong, leave well enough. Let the sleeping dogs... Don't count your chickens before... Don't bite off. Did you grow up in my house? You, you see what that is? is? Is that not just crazy conditioning? Oh, uh, you know, my name's Christian Eeyore. It's going to be bad, but it's going to get worse. <laughs> Run. God, blow this place apart for your glory. Amen? God is able. Dynamite. Blow it up, God. Look, here we go. Let's land it. Look at verse 21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a good word for the church today? God, you want to do marvelous things according to your power that works in us because God has all the power and all the authority. God has all the power and all the authority. And God, you can't even be limited by my prayers. You're above all. We worship you. Let's pray together. Lord, it is good to be in the room with our friends today and to worship and to look at this passage in Ephesians that, Lord, we need a new work. We need something greater than we've seen in the past. So, Lord, help us to believe you for a breakout, for a breakthrough, for a blowing the lid off kind of experience. 
But in this process, Jesus, I ask that you receive glory. You receive honor and you receive praise. Because that's what we've come to do is praise the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to bless you in our walk daily and in our families and among our friends. That God somehow receive lots of honor and glory through our lives. God, do immeasurably more according to your great power. Help us to get plugged in. If we're not plugged into Christ, help us to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. We've got to be plugged in. And once we get plugged in, put us on that journey with you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.